I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast for the SBS Emerging Writers Competition. The SBS Emerging Writers Competition invites aspiring writers to share their unique stories, with the winner awarded $5,000 to support the development of their storytelling. Head to sbs.com.au forward slash writers to find out more. Hello and welcome to The New Writers Room, a podcast for emerging writers. My name is Caitlin Chang. I'm Candice Chung. We're two commissioning editors at SBS Voices, and we're here today to talk about all of the things that go into memoir writing. I really wanted to look at that generational gap because that's always been something that I've never really unpacked. And I think a lot about things like losing languages and what the implications are of your relationship with your parents when that happens. So Candace, surely one of the most exciting prospects for an emerging writer is the chance to be published. Or any writer really. I mean, I just think yeah, that's any writer. <laughs> not just emerging, any writer. And you know, we are well into the submission period for the SBS Emerging Writers Competition. Mm. And not only is there a $5,000 first prize up for grabs, there's a chance to be published in an SBS Emerging Writers Anthology with Hardy Grant. Speaking of which, our first ever SBS anthology, Roots Home is Who We Are, is a collection of some of the top entries from our 2020 competition. So these are the stories about love, loss, family, culture, sexual awakening, and basically everything in between. That's so exciting. Imagine seeing your competition entry in a book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to picture myself like, you know, in uni days uh, entering competi- writing competitions yeah. and it is just such a dream come true. Yeah, not even uni days. Like, please, you know, publish me now in an uh, <laughs> anthology. Sure. <laughs> if only we could enter. Yeah, I know, I know. Mm. And to me, one of the most exciting things about anthologies, even as a reader, is just that it's such a great way to find out about new writers. Yeah. I usually would go through an anthology and then I would really do a deep dive on Mm. the authors I then want to follow and look up all of their work. I don't know if you have ever done that. Yeah, it's a great (laughs) way to find kind of amazing new voices and yeah. You can go, oh, that's a really good chapter. What else have they written, you know? Mm, totally. Mm. I also love the mix of perspectives in yeah. a collection mm. as well and seeing everyone kind of flex their storytelling skills on a single topic yeah. and then getting your mind blown really by all of the ways that different writers might interpret a single angle or a theme. Yeah. Um, that's such an extraordinary thing to me. So I'm thinking of all of the Growing Up in Australia series, the best Australian essays and stories and all sorts of incredible university anthologies, which I definitely dreamt of entering in my uni days, as I said. Yeah. And I think there's a reason why like a lot of these anthologies, like Growing Up in Australia are so popular is because people want to hear these other perspectives and 
it's it's just a great way to kind of showcase some new writers and new writing. But mm. I guess for people outside of the publishing world, you know, people who might want to enter this competition, it could be a pretty daunting process, right? Mm. You know, how does it work? Do you just send off your story and then it just gets changed and you see it at publication or do you, you know, how much say do you have over the piece? Um, yeah. Yeah. How much and, back and forth there is. Yeah. And you know, what, what is it like working with an editor? Like these are all things that if you have not come from a publishing or writing background, that would be completely kind of foreign concepts. And mm. yeah, I imagine. Absolutely. A, mm, like I imagine it would be a little bit kind of, I don't know, scary or nerve wracking. Mm. So today we're speaking with one of the people who went through the that exact process you described. Yeah. We have Amy Dong with us, one of the three runners up from the 2020 SBS Emerging Writers Competition. Amy grew up in Melbourne. She currently works in Canberra as a data analyst and writes fiction and creative nonfiction in her spare time. Her entry won the highly commended prize in last year's competition and was about a humble but extraordinary Vietnamese cultural icon, the red plastic chair. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us on the New Writers Room. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, we wanted to talk to you today because you were a runner-up in the 2020 SBS Emerging Writers Competition. So you have a lot of insider information. But before we get to the interview, I was wondering if you would be happy to read an excerpt from your winning entry for us. I'd love to. So this is just a bit I wrote about what it felt like to have sort of a generational gap when your parents are migrants, Mm -hmm. um, but also how that gap happens and what you do personally to contribute to that. Sounds great. As I grew older, I also realised that I was not blameless. I contributed to the growing divide. The languages my family spoke were languages I was shedding, deliberately at first, but then completely by accident. I was like other immigrant children I knew who had been raised on cheese TV and starved of representation. Australian perfection looked like Dolly magazine and Home and Away. It sounded like Kylie and Savage Garden. I wanted to speak that language too. I wanted to answer my mother's calls on the bus without drawing attention. Being multilingual did not make me feel accomplished. And when my parents sent me to Vietnamese school on Sunday mornings, I slept at the back of the class and resented them. On days I felt brave, I skipped class entirely and walked to the milk bar to spend my red pockets on whiz fizz. When my elders spoke to me in Tichil in Vietnamese, I responded in English. This happened more and more until one day, as if someone had taken them while I wasn't looking, I realised that almost all my native words were gone. Mm. Wow. I feel like that's something that a lot of kind of first and second generation migrant kids would relate to. And I really love all the little details. Like you've really transported us yes. to the 90s. The references. Yeah, Whispers. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheese Kindly TV. Savage Garden. <laughs> yeah. I ended yes. up having to do some kind of strange fact checking because I'd sort of just written it and I thought, oh, these are sort of bits from my childhood. And then yeah. I kind of had a moment where I was like, I don't know that Del Toro Quest and Tamagotchi overlapped. And then I was like, you know what, it's fine. It was an old Tamagotchi. No one will look into it. <laughs> what a specific piece of research. I know. Imagine if the fact checkers were like, um, excuse me, Tamagotchis weren't around in that period. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I was worried about it, but that's fine. <laughs> so I was curious what inspired this story in particular. 
I think so I saw the competition on Instagram and I don't think when I first saw it I thought to enter it I was just like oh that's cool and I think I sent it to a few people um I didn't really have a sense of any kind of particular story I wanted to write Mm. and then I was reading I think it might have been SBS Voices published I think an interview maybe with Melissa Lukashenko who talked Mm. a little bit about kind of what inspires her to write and you know the way that she draws from her history and things like that Mm. um so I kind of just started writing really unstructured kind of vignettes and things about what I remember really distinctly from my childhood and it sort of was kind of just no structure, just these kind of random bits of stories. But I really wanted to look at that kind of generational gap because that's always been something that I've never really unpacked. Mm. And I think a lot about things like losing languages and what the implications are of your relationship with your parents when that happens. So I kind of just started looking at what are the kind of recurring motifs and how, how do they mm. represent the sort of the, the distance you feel you know, when your parents have a very different life to you. And I think that's kind of where I started from. Hmm. That's really mm. interesting. So it was written specifically for the competition then? Um, I guess so. I think when I first started writing it, it was just kind of like, well, I don't know if I'll submit this because it's, you know, it's sort of a few random thoughts and things. And then when I kind of sort of, I found something really specific, like I thought, okay, I've sort of described this kind of red plastic chair and that's a motif that you can use in a few different scenarios maybe if I refine this down to 2,000 words Mm. this could be something I could then submit and so once I had that kind of that really specific idea then I kind of wrote it more to submit it specifically for SBS Voices. Mm. That's great was that the first time you entered a competition a writing one or? Um, I think it might have been yeah. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it just maybe like in any other year I wouldn't have done it, but maybe because lockdown it sort of you kind of I read a lot more last year I think than I did Mm. in previous years. I think a lot of people had that. But also kind of having more time to sort of just think about what I enjoy reading and sort of if I were to write what kind of things I would write about. So, yeah. Mm. And how did you feel when you discovered you were a runner-up? I was a bit shocked because I got a – so I got a phone call. I was just at work mm. and I, I mean, I find m- most phone calls are kind of a surprise. I don't. Yeah, they are. <laughs> talking on the phone, not my, not my, one of my top three mediums. <laughs> I wouldn't answer if someone called me. Yeah. Like, like, like oh, if I don't know the number. spam. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was kind of shocked and they sort of asked me a few questions and I was like, oh, great. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> and then I kind of had a, a, an odd moment. This was on the Friday and it was published on the Monday um, on Monday morning where I kind of had a bit of a panic because I was like, oh, this is just going to be on the internet now. People can just look it up. Yeah. And that's like a like, strange feeling, I think, when you don't have a background in writing or, you know, mm. work in the creative industries and you're not used to kind of putting stuff that's quite personal or, right. you know, something that you've created out there. And I was like, oh, that's that's a weird feeling. Mm. But then mm. after that, people were very nice about it. And then I was like, okay, maybe it's fine. And like you've written about your family. So did they like, did they, any of them read the piece before it was published or is it just kind of, oh, it's up now and now they're seeing it? That's an interesting question. So people often ask me that because they make an assumption that mm. I would have shared it, but I thought <laughs> kind of in the way that it actually does imitate life. I don't know that I 
my sister's read it and like, you know, she was like very nice about it. I think if I sent to my parents, they would just be like, oh, cool. I think they find it strange that it would be something I would think about writing about. Like it seems like those parts of their lives are so normal to them that it's kind of, mm. oh, you know, is this something, this is something that you consider worth, you know, worth writing about. Mm. How long did it take you to put the draft together altogether? Um, I'm not sure. So I normally work, I probably do a bit of writing just before work in the mornings, maybe sort of dipping in and out of it, maybe a few weeks. Mm. I think I just sort of didn't, I tried to work in kind of small blocks because if I write in a long block, I'll just keep over editing. Mm. So if I just do a bit in the morning and then I have to go to work and I forget about it. So yeah, probably on and off for about a few weeks, two, three weeks. Mm. Cool. Amy, have you continued to write since you um, entered the competition? I have. Um, I did a, I wrote a piece of fiction and that was a finalist in the Ultimo Prize. So that's being published oh. in an anthology, Ultimo Press. Um, Wonderful. I also do bits and pieces, but I, what I've learned is that I work very slowly, mm. which is fine. But I think um, sort of having it as something really quite separate to the work that I do mm. is quite good because I think it's something that I kind of dip in and out of. So, yeah, I sort of I write a bit, but I'm, I sort of like to go to quite a leisurely pace. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds dreamy. Yeah, exactly. And so you also have a day job. And what's your writing day like? How do you find time to write? On sort of a day where I'm like trying to write a lot, I would probably get up about six. I'm very mm. lucky in that my commute is about 15 minutes. So <laughs> okay. I don't leave for work until like maybe eight, quarter past eight. And so that gives mm. me like maybe an hour, two hours in the morning to just kind of write. Yeah. Um, and I find that's, that's pretty good. Writing in the morning is a lot better for me because if I write in the evening, mm. I basically won't stop mm. until I go to bed and then I'm a bit kind of wired. <laughs> but yeah. if I work in the morning, it's like, no, I got to go to work now. So sorry, you know, that's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like a healthy way to approach it, I think. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> so what was it like to find out that you were being published in um, the anthology for the writers' competition? So that was very exciting because I think even though I think it's like the novelty of it having it in a physical book, mm. like, I, I mean, I have the book here mm. now, like it's yeah. just, you go like, oh, it's like a physical book. It's like a real thing now. Yeah. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, and I'd had no experience kind of with publishing or anything like that. So just mm. seeing what that process looks like and having already done the work, which is so the stressful part is over. I've already written yeah. the thing. Exactly. Now it's just someone being like, hey, how are you going? we're going to edit this now. And you're just like, oh, great. And just watching that and having to do a sort of all those little things that I imagine, you know, freelancers become very used to doing, which is, you know, you're invoicing and doing this paperwork and being like, oh, do I have access to a scanner? Like, how do yeah. I do all that? I've got to get an ABN. Um, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff was very interesting too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what was the actual editing process like? with the anthology? So one of the editors, Anna at Hardy Grant, got in touch maybe in about December just saying, just to say hello and saying, oh, this is kind of what the process looks like. So that was kind of just a heads up. And then I think for my piece, there was actually very little editing, mm. but there was just like a bit of back and forth um, with Anna. And she'd also asked like, 
you know, is there anything particular that you want to focus on? And I just said, oh, I'm not really sure, but, you know, happy to hear your thoughts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was just a bit of back and forth there and then making a few tiny tweaks and style changes and stuff like that. I think when you sort of become really familiar with a piece of writing that you've done and you've kind of Mm. seen it a hundred times, tiny, you miss tiny things a lot. And there was like part of that process where someone got back to me and said, oh, I don't know. I think I used the phrase, um, I described the plastic chair as a plinth. And then I'd said that it Mm. um, revealed the contents of a life. Yeah. Mm. And I think one of the editors got back and said, I don't know that a plinth reveals. And I was like, huh, (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. True. Yeah. Technicality. You know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's just like tiny things like that that you're sort of forced to see from a different perspective. And Mm. I thought that was really useful and that was really interesting. Was it, I I mean, because, you know, you've worked through that piece for a long time. Is there this kind of feeling of, I don't know, being quite attached to it and then, <laughs> you know, someone you don't know then looking at it and, and picking it apart? Like how did you cope? How did that feel? So weirdly enough, because I'm a public servant and I, I do a lot of writing day to day and generally in the public service when you write things, it kind of goes to about five, six different people <laughs> and everyone rewrites it. And then right. it goes up the chain and then it comes back to you and it basically, you know, you rewrite it again and again. And so I think that teaches you not to be precious about the way that you write. Right. Um, mm. And so I think I was kind of prepared for that. So I didn't, I didn't mind it too much, but I think I've like, I've had sort of writing before where I've kind of shared it. Sometimes you get my partner to look over stuff and I know that I can be quiet. You know, you do get very sensitive about things that especially if you write about something personal and someone you know challenges the way you see things or they challenge the way that you you know you express yourself um you can be sort of a bit taken aback by that but I think it's also like it's probably quite healthy to Mm, get that feedback because you write you know mostly in the dark and especially with a thing like a competition where you kind of write and then you kind of submit it and hope for the best but no one had seen that piece before I'd submitted it. So by the time mm. I think getting that feedback from editors and things is actually really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've picked up any useful tips about editing through the process that you might use on your own work? Maybe that like example I used before about like, you know, using plain expose. I think in that instance, I was using a word because I liked the way it sounded. Mm. Because I was attached to the way that it sounded, I kind of didn't think about, oh, does this make sense? Or, you know, how would Mm. somebody else read this? And I think having that sort of challenging the things that you like in your writing, and I think having to kind of reevaluate them is probably really useful. And when you see an editor do that, I think it gives you a sense of like the kind of things that you need to be looking out for in your own work. Yeah. It's a skill because you get, I don't know, I feel like you get attached to like certain phrases and they've got a, a you know, musicality or they're kind of poetic and yeah. we editors then come in and, and go, actually, <laughs> I think <it's laughs> sorry to burst like- your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting to me when I've written something Mm. And it, when you reread it, you can tell for yourself the things that you've just left in there because you don't want to get rid of them. And yeah. I like to an editor that mm. would really jump out 
And of course, they're going to be like, what is, why is this here? And it's like, I think even to like, when you're a writer, you notice that. And so I think having to be kind of more critical about those things that, you know, you really, you put in there because you really like them. It's probably, you know, it's probably a healthy thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, the magic in rewrites and redrafting (laughs) and reading work aloud and things like that. Yeah. And so I just was wondering what your advice would be for people who are thinking about entering this year's competition? Good question. I I think the first thing that I did when I was sort of thinking about entering the competition was just I read through a lot of the different entries on SBS Voices. Mm -hmm. And it's actually very, you know, it is a very diverse platform. And I had a look at the things that really jumped out at me or really that I really related to. And I thought kind of like if I were to sort of talk about these things that mattered to me, how would I do that? And it was sort of like for me finding, I think a lot of people, it's like what I've written about in my piece, I don't think it is new. It's a thing that people write about all the time. Um, But seeing all the different ways that people explore them, I think is really important. Uh, So probably I think reading things that are similar to the kind of things that you want to write. I think I had an idea that I was nervous about what if I'd read something that was exactly the thing I was planning on writing? How would I feel about that? Right. But I think you have to do that. And then, you know, you find that even if there are similarities, there's going to be something that you want to write for yourself. And that's the thing you should write about. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And like, at what point of the kind of entry period did you enter your story? Um, are you someone who's like very prepared or are you a last minute kind of deadline 6 p.m. I'm going to submit my story. <laughs> I think I I was probably quite prepared. I think maybe I started writing it quite early when it was announced, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have submitted it till right at the end. I think I'm like, oh, I can sneak in some some rewrites. You just just keep it on the desktop and then you can just revisit it and rewrite it three or four more times. So I think I probably submitted it quite late, but then had something I was more or less happy with maybe a week or two out from the deadline. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got two pieces in two different anthologies. What are you going to work on next? What's your next writing project? That's a good question. I don't really know. I mean, as I mentioned before, I like to work quite slowly. I think, you know, competitions, competitions are sort of a good way to do that. I think when they come up and they usually have prompts and things as well. So I think I find working with those kind of prompts and with that kind of defined time frame probably suits me. So I'm probably just going to keep an eye out and see if anything, anything else comes out that, you know, I'd be interested in, but no, I'm not really sure. I think I'm just kind of, I'm just going to wing it. Sounds like a good strategy. <laughs> just wing it. I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. And also a true writer. Yes. <laughs> just wing it. <laughs> that is a true writer at heart. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy, for your time, for joining us. Thank you for having me. So glad you entered that story and read through all those entries and came up with an angle that nobody else could have really written about like that. Oh, thank you. And congratulations on the upcoming publication in the anthology. Oh, thank you. And that's it for today's episode. Next, we'll speak to Kurdish-Iranian journalist and celebrated author Beirouz Bichani. I think for me, the good story is a simple story, simple writing, but with a deep layer. Yeah, I like writing simple. 
The New Writers' Room is produced by Caitlin Chang and Candace Chung and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Our executive producers are Natalie Hambley and Danielle Teutsch. You can find SBS Voices on Facebook or on Twitter. Entries for the SBS Emerging Writers Competition close on September 16th and you can find out more by heading to sbs.com.au forward slash writers. And if you'd like to pitch a story to SBS Voices, you can email voices at sbs.com.au. The official anthology of the 2020 SBS Emerging Writers Competition is out now at all good bookshops. Roots, Home is Who We Are, published by Hardy Grant Books in partnership with SBS, features 30 of the best entries to inspire you to get writing.